Hello and welcome to this FT Advisor CPD podcast about the Chancellor's autumn statement and what it might mean for mortgages and the property market. Jeremy Hunt announced a raft of tax measures and spending cuts in his first autumn statement, including cuts to the capital gains tax allowance and the decision to sunset the previous government's stamp duty cuts. Given the housing market is already in disarray amid rampant inflation and rising interest rates, what effect will this fiscal statement have on this market? With me here to discuss this today are Aaron Forster, Director Create Finance, Riz Malik, Director at R3 Mortgages, and Sophia Jones, Managing Director of Penny House. This podcast qualifies for CPD, and your learning objectives are to explain the measures contained in the autumn statement, to describe how the autumn statement could affect mortgages and the property market, and to outline what mortgage brokers are doing to best help their clients. Hello, everyone. Thanks for being here today. We've had Jeremy Hunt's first autumn statement yesterday, and it did not contain too many surprises. It was mainly a mix of expected stealth taxes and spending cuts. But the Chancellor says he believes his measures will lead to a shallower recession and less unemployment than would otherwise have been the case. Before we go into the details of what was announced, what do you make of the statement as a whole, Aaron? Yeah, I think it was it was quite a balanced statement in the end. Like I think you mentioned, there's there's very few surprises in there. So the things that we we, we were expecting were around the the obviously the um, tax threshold um, that's not increased at all, and, and now isn't going to be until 2028. Um, I think there was a few disappointing things around the housing market. I think obviously with regards to stamp duty being extended, it's not necessarily well up until 2025. It's not really. Um, going to help the housing market massively. I think the government could have done more um, around potentially new schemes now that help to buy is finished. So yeah, I think it was a bit disappointing in some ways, but but also fairly balanced from others as well. Mm-hmm. And what do you think, Riz? It was a very vanilla statement as far as I'm concerned, very defensive. Uh, if anything, it was more of a disaster recovery plan because all they had to do was trying to maintain confidence from the markets and stem any concerns that may have previously been held. There weren't any measures on there that I think any of us will have waved any flags uh, with. And ultimately, I think it will is starting to set the scene of the new government's economic plan. And the first part of that is to try and stem the issues that we've had, especially over the last six weeks. What about you, Sophia? Do you agree? I do, yeah. I think overall it was a very sensible budget. I think it will help to control inflation and the interest rates, uh, and hopefully short-term pain will mean longer-term gains for us. I mean, the measures will reduce the deficit, but it does, in my opinion, leave holes in the housing market. I mean, I personally have got a lot of buy-to-let landlords who are very nervous, and yesterday's statement really will have done very, very little to settle their nerves. After all, I think that the housing is the largest cost for, for the majority of us, and I don't think enough is done to tackle this. Mm-hmm, absolutely. We'll get to um, buy to let a little bit later on in this discussion, but um, let's focus on one of the more obvious measures for the housing market first, um, which is the um, decision to keep Kwasi Kwarteng's stamp duty cuts in place until March 2025, but not thereafter. So this means that from April 2025, the nil rate threshold um, and first-time buyer exemption will go back to where they were prior to Kwarteng's budget, which was at 125k and 300k, respectively. 
What effect will this measure have on market activity, Aaron? Uh, personally, I don't think it will affect the market massively. Um, I don't think a stamp duty um, holiday or a stamp duty way where clients don't need to pay stamp duty is going to massively boost the market. We've got a lot of clients currently that are feeling the cost of living crisis. They're unable to save money. Um, I think the biggest challenge is going to be just to, to, to simply get a deposit, first of all, for a, for a house. Um, with, with the cost of living increasing, how are these savers going to be able to save money to, to enable them to get a deposit in the first place? Um, I think the stamp duty, the stamp duty it, it's not going to really help those types of clients massively. Um, I think the bigger things that the, that the government could have done is look at maybe schemes around um, the removal of the help to buy scheme, um, something that would have replaced that, um, which would have enabled these people with potentially lower deposits or, or are unable to save money into a deposit. Is it that there'd have been a better way to help them get onto the property ladder uh, rather than just simply extending the stamp duty? Mm-hmm, of course. Do you agree, Riz? The stamp duty deadline being extended or the the actual holiday finishing in 2025 coincides with, I think, the next uh, maximum term that they need to have a general election. So I wouldn't read too much into the 2025 date because I think that's going to be because anything else will come in the next Conservatives manifesto. It's the least that they could have done, to be quite honest, to try and stimulate the market. There wasn't anything else there that's really going to help housing. First-time buyers are always a concern, especially with the astronomical rises in property value that we've had recently. So we've got to give them a carrot to keep the market moving. Today's first-time buyers allow other people further along the chain to buy properties and to move. So unless you're creating some stimulus at some part of the market, you're essentially going to stop people going further on from there onwards. But I think first-time buyers will still continue buying. Even this morning, I got an inquiry from a first-time buyer. I had offers from first-time buyer uh, just this uh, morning as well on another deal. So I don't think it's going to hurt. It's a nice sweetener, but I don't think it's enough to stimulate the, the market. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Do you think, Sophia, that the stump duty cuts would have a, a massive effect on the market if he kept them on for longer? Or do you think? No. Him- yeah, no, I agree really with what the others have said in the sense that if we just look back at the stamp duty holiday during COVID, that kept the housing market up, which is obviously very good news for our industry. However, I think it artificially inflated house prices. And that's without looking at the wider affordability issue that we have now got surrounding cost of living, interest rates and so on and so forth. Adding a deadline now to the stamp duty may mean that we see a flurry of people buying in transactions. I think that, as Riz has said, it may well push first time buyers to buy sooner uh, than they might have done, given that the higher interest rates are there. And um, I mean, whilst we've got kind of demand outstripping supply, then house prices hopefully will not be dropping too dramatically. But the question really is what happens afterwards? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, speaking of the um, cost of living crisis and house prices, there have been in the autumn statement yesterday a number of stealth taxes which will impact the um, the money in people's pockets very much. So that included the freezing of the thresholds for income tax, national insurance and inheritance tax for so further two years until 2028. Speaking of income tax, um, that will really push a lot of people into the higher tax bracket, especially 
given the current inflationary environment where people might be getting pay rises. What effect will that have on prices, do you think, Sophia, and, and buyers? I think in terms of the effect on the market, essentially what it means is that people are going to have to pay more tax. Um, it's going to impact discretionary spending. People are going to have to reduce what they spend on all the niceties. So things like gym memberships, things like holidays. And really from a mortgage and insurance perspective, insurance might be one of the first direct debits that gets cancelled because people forget how important it really is. So without going down a rabbit hole right at this point, which would be very easy to do, I mean, advisors need to be very proactively speaking to their clients to make sure it doesn't lead to defaults in mortgage payments and then repossessions just to add to the problem. Um, it also means less less cash will be available for people to save for deposit. So first-time buyers and those wanting to move home. And also all of us really will have less cash to keep for a rainy day fund, which at the moment is, is definitely uh, very important with the rising cost of living. Mm -hmm. And do you think it will have a big impact, all of this together, if we've discussed so far, do you think it will be, have a big impact on prices, house prices? I think as a cumulative, cumulative effect, yes, it could do. Mm -hmm. Okay. What do you think, Riz? What's your kind of um, projection of, of where prices could crash to? With house prices, it really depends on who you listen to. All of these forecasts range from anywhere between 5 to 10%, which is my personal thought of where the market is heading, all the way up to the upper echelons of nationwide's outlook of maybe 30%. And is it a crash? Is it a correction? Ultimately, we've seen strong uh, housing market growth since the credit crunch essentially you could argue so the markets coming off slightly might not necessarily be a bad thing and also it might have an impact of meaning that wages don't need to creep up as much to make sure that they can afford the loans that they need to on the properties that they're doing with house prices you'd expect that you'd start seeing down valuations as well from a lending perspective that's the first thing that we normally look out for but funnily enough i had a valuation on a property yesterday and they came back on the knob so i haven't seen any impact of down valuations as of yet maybe a bit too soon but I do think maybe 5 to 10% when it, the emphasis swings from a, a seller's market to a buyer's market, I think that change is going to come very soon. Mm -hmm. Do you agree, Aaron? Yeah, definitely. I think for a couple of reasons, fit really. So um, obviously with the clients earning, well, not earning less as they earn more and they start to pay more tax, like Sophia said, that's less money in people's pockets. Um, I think ultimately that will have an impact on mortgage affordability. So I, I would I would foresee over the coming years that we will start to see differences around um, income multiples with mortgages as as people's disposable expenditure becomes less due to um, the cost of gas, electric. That's all going to keep rising, and if people are paying more tax, that's that's less disposable income. So I think that will directly have an impact in terms of what what the lenders may offer. Um, but certainly, I think I think obviously over the next year, two years, as people um, are unable to afford the mortgages with with the rise in interest rates, um, that will lead to people being either forced to sell the homes or um, not being in a position to, to be able to take on a mortgage. And that ultimately is going to mean that the market is going to be flooded with with properties. So that as, as the demand is going to certainly be uh, reduced. And obviously, when the demand reduces, that is ultimately going to have an impact on, on the overall property prices. So, mm -hmm. 
And with regards to the taxation side, freezing with the IHT limits, I think that that will create, that might create even some more stimulus within the market because inheritance tax is already always seen as a, a voluntary tax. I think you'll start seeing people having more living inheritances with grandparents helping out their family members so they can benefit from their uh, estates uh, while they're living, so to speak, which will could help with the uh, deposits of tomorrow. I, I think that's something also that may come as a result of this. You may see an increase in the uh, amount of activity in the lifetime market. Mm -hmm. Did you want to add anything to that, Sophia? Yeah, so just in terms of the house prices and predicted drops, obviously there are various numbers that are thrown around uh, in situations like this, kind of from 5% to 20% to other figures. And I think with the higher interest rate costs and the higher cost of living, we may well see prices adjust. We saw house prices drop you know, back in the global financial crisis of 19%. But since then, as we know, um, it has sustained and it's grown. Uh, I know the Bank of England are expected to raise the base rate in the near future. Obviously, I'm not an economist and I definitely won't pretend to be, but I can just tell you what I hear kind of working in the mortgage world. And... In terms of the prediction for the base rate next year, I'm hearing between 4 and 5%, which, um, having read something recently, Zoopla predicted a more modest kind of 5% drop in house prices based on that figure. So not as scary as the 20% that's being thrown around. But obviously, we don't, we don't know for sure. Mm -hmm, absolutely. But at least some reassuring figures for some people there. But actually, speaking of mortgage rates, now the Chancellor said at his autumn statement that the economy would fare far worse um, without his measures and that, you know, interest rates and unemployment uh, figures be far higher if he didn't implement um, what he announced yesterday. So was the autumn statement a good thing for mortgage rates, do you think, Sophia? I think so. I think if it's going to stabilise kind of inflation going forward and stabilise interest rates, then yes. Um, I think there are a few things that would have, we would have liked to have seen to support buy-to-let landlords and also those trying to save for a deposit and save to move home um, because they were really largely homeowners, existing homeowners were very largely missed out. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a very difficult position to be in, I'm sure. Yeah. What do you think, Riz? Um, do you think the autumn statement was good for mortgage rates? The biggest advantage that the autumn statement had to mortgage rates is that we drew a line under the last budget, so to speak, okay? A, a budget's been delivered. It's been fully costed by the OBR. The markets reacted a little bit, but nothing, you know, in any ridiculous fashion or anything. I think that the fact that we've had it, the world has calmed down and there hasn't been an adverse reaction as a result of it, will now provide the impetus for many mortgage lenders to really re-enter the market with aggression. So on that basis, and even us speaking to a few people at some lenders, I think they've got some deals, they've got some offerings that they've been holding out, seeing what the way the world looks post uh, the autumn statement before they unleash those onto the market. Because you have to remember, there's been very little mortgage activity going on into the market in the last couple of months. 
every broker will like to say, yeah, we've been still really busy, et cetera, et cetera. But compared to our normal deal flow volumes, the last two months have been pretty much written off to some extent. So we've got that business to put on. Also, from a lender's perspective, although they might have very heavy pipeline business because they've literally been writing business all year, if that pipeline, part of which is dependent on completions of property transactions and chains break down or those sales don't go on, then they're going to be left with a hole in their figures. So now this budget's out of the way. I think that'll give a bit of a catalyst for a price war now going into 2023. Mm-hmm. Do you agree, Aaron? Um, yeah, definitely. I think you look at the last 24 hours since the announcement of the budget, um, Lend, there's still lenders continuing to reduce their fixed rates. So we've now got fixed rates below 5%. Um, if we look at the, the previous mini budget, I mean, even leading up to the budget, rates were, lenders were already anticipating what that budget was going to um, bring and, and were already rising their interest rates. And obviously, straight immediately after the budget, there was such a, it was chaos in the market. There's so many lenders increased, no one knew what to do. There's lenders pulling them out of the market completely. Obviously that has settled down now. And and obviously yesterday's announcement was no, as we've mentioned earlier, was no surprise um, to anybody at all. And yeah, we're now below 5% fixed rates, which is, which is ultimately a good thing. And I think like Riz said now, now that we've had the statement and, and everything seems to have calmed down, we'll start to get lenders starting to start pricing against each other again. So we should hopefully start to see more and more becoming uh, below 5% and obviously then hopefully bring it down even further. So, um, so yeah, I think it, it's definitely proved within the last 24 hours that, that we're hopefully um, going to start to see some, um, some, just some, some steadiness really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully. Now let's look at the buy to let space quickly. There were a few um, measures announced yesterday that um, could really impact this space. So tax-free allowances for dividend and capital gains tax are due to be cut next year and in 2024. The dividend allowance will be cut from £2,000 to £1,000 in April and then reduced down to £500 after. The annual exemption amount for capital gains tax will drop from 12300 currently to 6000 and then to £3,000. That's quite a sizable cut and it's actually been given us some notice as well. Do you think, Riz, that we will see an exodus of landlords? I don't think you'll see an exodus of portfolio landlords because I think by the nature of their portfolios, they will be geared quite well, decent loan to values, nice, comfortable Uh, rental yields on them. What you might see as a result of especially the changes in the CGT allowance as of next tax year is those people who may have had one or two buy-to-lets, maybe they had a let to buy because they couldn't sell their property at the time, thinking that we don't need this headache, rates are going up, we want an easier life, let's just get rid of it. And between, you know, a couple, we can utilise the extended allowances. So I think maybe you might see people with small portfolios reassessing them. But I don't think that there will be a big sell off. Because if you are a property landlord, and that is your business, what's the alternative? You go and then buy the properties again, you're going to have stamp duty costs, all these legal costs, or whatever, whatever, to get back into the market. And regardless of where you might think that the market is going to move in the next few years over time 
the property market has always gone up in an upward trajectory. If I offered you a property today at five years ago price, you'd take it and five years thereafter. So I think one or two small smaller landlords might be considering it as a result of the CGT change, but I don't think it'll affect the portfolio landlords. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, landlords have had quite a few. They've been squeezed quite a bit over the last few years, haven't they? Sophia, you say you've got quite a few buy-to-let clients. What's your outlook on the buy-to-let market after this autumn statement? Yeah, I largely agree with what Riza said uh, in the sense that the smaller landlords will be uh, will be more impacted than some of the larger landlords who are maybe less, uh, they're not as geared. And uh, I mean, we work with landlords that are, have got portfolios of varying size. They already had existing concerns about the property values maybe declining, borrowing capacity being decreased, and then also the rising cost of interest and the maintenance on the properties. So many are looking at them and the smaller smaller landlords definitely are looking at these and just thinking, are they still viable and is it viable still to keep these properties? However, now we've got the capital gains tax allowance that's been cut. Um, it might well be that the landlords will decide to keep these properties because they'll be stung so greatly to sell them and um, they won't do so. The danger with that, in my opinion, is that they might look to cut costs elsewhere, which could lead to a poorer quality of housing. I mean, we've all seen stories, and there's one very recently in the news, that can be linked to landlords maybe not maintaining rental properties. And, I mean, we, nobody wants any of that to get any worse. So that would be my concern. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, would you have liked to have seen some kind of announcements in the budget um, addressing these concerns as well? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we, we need to see some support, in my opinion, for buy-to-let landlords. You know, we need to see something that's going to encourage them either to stay in the sector um, and also not to discourage new landlords from entering the market. Because no matter where, which way you look at it, whether you own them personally, whether you own them in a limited company, you're, you are hit with the tax uh, anyway. Mm-hmm. So we need, we need some support to try and uh, make sure that private rental sector doesn't suffer. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Aaron, what's your experience in the buy-to-let space? Have you had any clients approach you um, with concerns? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, the two main concerns, I think, anybody that's going into the buy-to-let space, the two things that they're looking for is either rental yield or potentially growth in the property price. Well, the rental yield has been, because of interest rates over the, the past sort of seven or eight months, has been destroyed. So, so the money that they're making out of the rental yield now has dropped considerably um obviously with the, the possibility of the, the reduction in house prices that's also going to hit them in the pockets as well they're not going to have as much equity within the property so that's certainly going to put off anybody going into the buy to let space um and obviously also within that it, it, it also with people when they're coming off their their deals um it's the are they going to where they used to pay maybe one and a half, two percent, or they're now going to be moving and paying five and a half, six percent. Well, that's going to discourage a lot of people. I think that then is going to then flood the market. I think we'll see a lot of landlords putting their properties for sale. And again, I think that will that will be the bit around the demand for properties and will also impact further on on house prices as, as more properties become available. So um, I think the the measures yesterday didn't really help any of the buy to let people at all, I would say. So um, that was one one area that was was really disappointing Mm -hmm. i think any buy to let landlord at the moment especially after yesterday we should be sitting down and re-looking at their portfolio and seeing how can we maximize the pound the pound value that we're getting per square foot essentially so i don't think going forward 
especially under the the current tax regime, standard buy to lets, especially in London and the southeast, work as well anymore. But converting that property into a HMO and trying to maximise the return you're going to get from it to equalise the costs that you've now had as a result of the taxation changes, I think that's where you're going to see more landlords look. And if there is an exodus of smaller portfolio landlords from the property market, there's still, and let's not forget this, a lot of people are waiting for a correction in the market to expand on their portfolios. Don't think there's not money sloshing around because there are, and there are a number of landlords who are waiting for the right property at the right price to increase their own their own portfolio. So it'll essentially be a redistribution from one to the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like there could be a bit of a bit of reorganization in that market. Now, we're almost out of time, but I'd just like to um, quickly talk about what you guys are doing, you advisors, to equip yourself to be able to give the best advice to your clients. This, this is such a fast moving market. How do you stay up to date? What's your advice to other mortgage advisors out there on how they can keep informed and be on top of of what's going on to be able to give the best advice to their clients. Uh, Let's start with you, uh, Sophia. So just following on from what Riz was saying, um, I mean, property with landlords has obviously always been a longer term investment. um, And we have been in an era where quick flips were facilitated by low interest rates and inflation property prices. All of these, you know, all of us have got a rough couple of years ahead, but I think it's really important just to try and keep a bit of a level head and just know that we need to weather the storm. We're all, we are all going to have a couple of years where it's a bit rough, but it will be redistribution. Um, in terms of advice to either clients or other mortgage advisors, um, for clients, I mean, there will be some that are struggling and there are options there. One example that we're using, and it is against our traditional mortgage advice, but it's exploring whether moving to an interest-only mortgage might be feasible and it might be the right thing to do for that particular client. I mean, this would only ever be a shorter-term solution because ultimately, you know, you pay more interest over the longer term by doing this. But, I mean, my priority is making sure that people can stay in their homes and for some of them, their monthly outgoings really are squeezed at the moment. So my advice to anybody would be, and this is whether you're a homeowner, a bicycle landlord, whatever position you're in, speak to a professional advisor as early as you possibly can, whether that's a mortgage advisor, whether it's an accountant, whether it's a financial advisor. There are really great people out there and they, they do really want to help and give the best advice. Mm-hmm. And how do you stay informed and up to date? Where, where do you get, have you got any tips for kind of learning practices or any sources of information you find particularly useful? So we work very closely, as I'm sure other brokers do, with our business development managers and banks. We're speaking to lenders all of the time and we're reading news articles and CPD. Um, But, I mean, the key thing um, is just having good relationships with those lenders um, because they're absolutely invaluable in terms of products that are coming out and things that we can do to help support people. Mm -hmm. Okay, excellent. What about you, Riz? What's your strategy for keeping up to date? I will obviously uh, I get all my up-to-date information from FT advisor and uh, <laughs> I make sure that that's on my uh, radar but look the current situation especially over the last couple of months as advisors as brokers we're here to advise we need to make sure that we understand what's happening and why it's happening because I strongly believe that 
as well as doing the transactions, we need to be there to inform and educate our clients. Don't take it for granted of what somebody knows and what they don't know. Now, this fascination with fixed rates that the UK has had since the credit crunch, and we keep on seeing everywhere, fixed rates have done X, Y, and fixed rates have done this. Why has the UK been fascinated with fixed rates for a certain period of time? Why are trackers now coming in? Why should we be having more conversations with trackers? We need to go and take that extra step to educate and inform our clients of all the options that are available, step number one. Step number two is the communication. We really need to pick up the phone because clients might see everything that's going around them, be very daunted. They may jump into making a wrong decision. I've recently had cases where I've had clients who've just, you know, uh, uh, because they've been so scared, just locked on to try and secure any rate that they can have. We need to have that conversation with client, tell them that we're open and we're available to answer any question, big or small. If we do that, as well as the communication, the education, then that's the best place to uh, make sure that we all come out of this in the best possible way. Mm -hmm. Great. What about you, Aaron? What are your tips for advisors? Well, a couple of ways. Obviously, things for you mentioned with regards to the, the BDMs, uh, the lenders, obviously, they, they, they're around visiting offices. There's also lender fairs that you can go to where you've got the lenders on the stands and, and updating all your criteria. I think it's really important at the moment, this moment with most advisors, they should be getting emails directly from the lenders. A lot of our advisors, I know, just open and close those emails that don't actually read them but there's so many different changes to the market at the moment with criteria it's just so important that you do read all of the communication that comes out from the lenders um, but i agree in terms of the advice now i think mortgage advice now is, is as important as anything especially if you've got access to a comprehensive range of lenders you should be now as busy as what you ever have been because these clients they they, they don't know what to do and we are the best people. It's all about thinking outside of the box. Nobody goes, it's like a square pegging around. It doesn't always fit, but it's trying to find a solution for that client. And like Riz says, we've been so fixated on looking at fixed rates for the past six, seven years. When we're speaking to clients, we've, we've never given these other options. We've become really lazy as brokers. Um, I think now discussing the, the discounted variable rates, the tracker rates, and the discounted variable rates are... Um, lenders aren't necessarily increasing their variable rate and, and these 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 um, clients can benefit from real low rate mortgages they obviously need to understand the impacts of interest rate changes but it's all about giving the clients the options and letting them then make an informed choice about what they want to do so um, as I say it's it's so important that we reach out to our clients and, and let them know what options are available to them and then let them make the right choice that, that that's right for them so mm -hmm. yeah absolutely great I'm afraid that's all we have time for today thanks very much to our guests for this insightful discussion really good to speak to you three for our listeners please remember to bank your CPD in the article below your learning objectives are to explain the measures contained in the autumn statement, to describe how the autumn statement could affect mortgages and the property market, and to outline what mortgage brokers are doing to best help their clients. Thanks for listening and goodbye. 
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.